As publishers try to diversify revenue streams, many have begun dipping their toes into commerce. The business is growing, and affiliate commerce is set to grow into a $6.8 billion business by 2020. With retailers eager to partner with publishers, join us at the Digiday Hot Topic event here in New York City on May 3rd. In one day, dive deep and learn with publishers who are growing their commerce arm. To learn more, visit digiday.com slash events. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangu, and this episode is a session from our Digiday AI Summit we recently held in Santa Barbara, California. Digiday's Shireen Patak talks to Michael Lauder, who is the SVP of Customer Service at Samsung Electronics in North America. Michael said that he made the decision to not base all of Samsung's problem-solving on bots because he feels that the technology is just not there yet. He discusses AI in the foreseeable future, the problem-solving and customer care strategy with AI integration, data privacy, and more in this episode. Listen in. We've been talking, I know we're going to talk a lot about how Samsung has kind of uh, change the way it's doing customer care and all that. But I wanted to actually start with some of the things that we've been talking about for the last couple of days. Um, I mean, one big one big question has been sort of everybody's in agreement that artificial intelligence and AI is going to be big. I think yeah. everyone is feeling there is some consensus that it's not quite sure. People aren't quite sure where exactly it's going to make the most impact. Right. Where do you sort of see on a macro level, even beyond Samsung, kind of where AI do you think will make the most impact in marketing? I mean, it's 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 already happening. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples in my own life. So I drive a Tesla, and Tesla is actually using machine learning to map where your car is driving. So it's mm -hmm. basically doing map analysis at 100 levels more detailed than a traditional mm -hmm. map, and it's actually improving how it self drives. Amazon, other great examples. I think, I think machine learning and AI is here, yeah. but I often call this period of time the gap of disappointment. You know, I think people have seen Star Trek, right, and they're sort of waiting for that magical day where you can talk to a machine and it will do everything you want. And we're just not there, and we know where we want to go, we just haven't gotten there yet. So it's really about you know, people like all of us figuring out how to take the technology understand its limits and implement it slowly until we get past that gap of disappointment yeah. and can actually create that great experience for our customers. I mean, are there similarities? I think somebody yesterday was actually saying like, oh, it, this reminds me of like virtual reality. You know, it kind of went through this, this yeah, similar thing. Yeah, went through the similar thing. Um, I mean, are, is this normal, is sort of the, the growing up process that AI is sort of facing within marketing specifically, is that normal or has that been, there's been more hype I think, about AI than there has been about other things, which kind of makes that gap of disappointment, or that disappointment is felt more keenly, at yeah. least. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's virtual reality, I still think, hasn't figured itself out, right? So, um, you know, I think all of us, if you've used virtual reality, you use it for a few minutes and think it's pretty cool, and then you don't ever use it again. I think I have a... a well, I think the glasses look dumb, too. Uh, yeah, right, right. So, my daughter won't go see 3D movies. She doesn't want to wear the glasses, so that's sort of the, the problem there, and obviously VR's much more challenging. But I think what, where VR hasn't really found its way, I think AI has a clear you know, path. As I said earlier, there's already use cases mm -hmm. for AI. Uh, we have lots of chatbots that we use mm. uh, at Samsung, which I can talk more about later. But, but, um, but no, it's here, and, and, and it is going to revolutionize many different industries. In, in my industry, for example, in the service industry, I'm, I'm convinced that in probably five to 10 years, a large part of our workforce will be replaced with automation. We have to think through 
how to do that, maybe not by downsizing our workforce, but repurposing our workforce yeah. to do other tasks, more personal, specialized tasks. But in the service business, these are really large workforces that do repetitive tasks over and over again, setting mm -hmm. up service appointments or scheduling service or helping a customer with a problem. Mm -hmm. Those things are going to be absolutely automated in the future. We will not uh, talk to human beings in most of our transactions, mm -hmm. support and service transactions with companies. So it's a real, it's a real exciting. Interestingly, in service, customers are most happy when they don't have to talk to someone if they can solve the problem themselves or, or do it online. Hmm. So we just have to think through how to create a better experience, even though it may be with less people. Okay. Well, let's talk about sort of, you know, the, the journey through which this uh, Samsung Care specifically has gone through to get to this point and sort of where you think it's going to go next. I mean, when did you first kind of start thinking about applying some of these technologies into the care or into the customer care portfolio and yeah. where did that come from? Well, first, you know, when I started working at Samsung, before I started working at Samsung, I thought a lot about the brand and what I, what I, what I thought of it as a consumer of Samsung products. And I think Samsung, when we think about Samsung, you probably think, you know, great technology company, great manufacturer, big giant conglomerate in Korea, probably doesn't know me as a person. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing when I started two and a half years ago, we embarked on is figuring out how to build relationships with customers and actually break down some of those, those barriers. And, you know, AI and lots of different digital technologies have allowed us to, to start building those relationships uh, with our consumers uh, more directly. You know, our vision as an organization is to create customer-first experiences that are as innovative as our products. So that sort of, by, by its default nature, requires us to think beyond the traditional way you get service and support. So we focused on three major uh, areas as we sort of embarked on this journey, and we're by no, no means uh, complete with the journey. One is the sharing economy. We've actually uh, implemented a solution with a company called Directly uh, that actually is basically Uber for customer service. Mm -hmm. So we actually have brand ambassadors, people who love our products and own our products, uh, have a Samsung phone in their pocket, and they actually get chat requests from, from customers, and they can actually help uh, the customer. And if they successfully resolve the issue, we pay them. Hmm. We pay them uh, a little bit less than we pay a traditional uh, representative, okay. and they're performing really, really well. So one technology that we're really focused on is how we can leverage our brand ambassadors and our customers to help each other. The second is AI and machine learning. We obviously talked about that, but we, we really believe that automation, self-service, we have a mobile app called Samsung Plus, mm -hmm. has 8 million monthly active users. It is a service-focused app. We believe uh, that things like that can really change the game. Mm -hmm. Customers love using it. We also believe in asynchronous messaging. We actually launched a uh, text project recently where you can SMS or text Samsung and get help. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever texted a company for help or to engage with them, but it's a really awesome experience. It just feels very, very natural. Mm -hmm. And the last one the video kind of touched on, which is Care My Way, but it's sort of this idea of anytime, anywhere service. Right. Uh, and uh, a great example of that is we were at CES uh, this year, and we actually have something called the Care Truck. You saw it in the video. Mm -hmm. And the care truck's basically like a food truck for customer service. And we fixed everybody's phone that was broken for free during CES. So and there were a, a lot of those, right? There it's were. Vegas. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So we love the idea of sort of coming to you. Yeah. You know, so this, this, this notion of, of uh, you not having to go wait in the mall and stand in line and get help. Just we'll come wherever we'll you come are. To you. 
is a big part of our strategy. Let's talk. Um, let's talk about the app first, because sure. I think that um, you know we uh, on day one we had um, Samir Desai from Equinox, who's the CIO there, kind of talk a lot about their app, and their app is very much kind of they've taken the fitness coach kind of idea and mm. using the app to really coach people through it. Right. Um, tell me about the development of the app. Kind of what are the different components? The chatbots. How do they all work? Yeah. So uh, so Samsung Plus uh, is a, a service application. Um, it is really help in your pocket anytime, anywhere you need it. Um, so it has things like video chat, which you saw on the video. We also have asynchronous messaging, so you can essentially it's it's um, three three sort of stacks of experience. So when you first chat uh, in the app, uh, it will actually be a bot that's talking to you. Okay. But kind of back to your first question about how confident we are in, in AI today. I made a decision not to implement a bot that was trying to solve all of your problems. Hmm. Because I don't think the technology, frankly, is there. Hmm. I think um, it can gather information really effectively. It can give you information about features of a product. Mm -hmm. It can give you the status of an order. But when you're dealing Almost with like a complex stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. transactional. Mm -hmm. When you're dealing with, so for example, if you called Samsung and said, my phone is broken, mm -hmm. I might need to ask you 10 questions to yeah. really figure out what that means. That human interaction, the gray area, uh, yeah, I just don't think we're quite there yet. So we focus the first layer of this experience on information gathering. So the okay. more information we can gather from the customer okay. in a human kind of way, right. the better the experience. So you're looking at things like a, what kind of phone they have, and yeah, and, what and, exactly happened. And, and exactly. Okay. And, and essentially we're gathering all the information and then using um, you know, algorithms to actually decide how to handle it. Okay. So in, in, under normal circumstances, if they just need help with a question, we'll send them to one of our brand ambassadors for help through this text okay. messaging interface. If they, if they text us that their phone is, you know, uh, they've broken it or something like that, something more complex, we'll send them directly to one of our representatives. So we have sort okay. of a routing logic that determines how to handle each customer through the bot. So it's basically bot, brand ambassador, live pro or agent. So that's kind of how that works. But um, Samsung Plus is also remote diagnostics. We can mm. remote into your phone and solve problems. Um, it's a huge content repository. Currently, it's only on Android, but mm -hmm. um, we, we want to roll it out to more customers, uh, even beyond Android, mm -hmm. especially for our home appliance and TV products where people are using mm -hmm. Android or iPhone. So, so anyway, so, so it's, it's a really cool app. It's really just focused on, it's a pure app. It's not trying to sell you anything or trying mm -hmm. to, to, to market to you. It's really just saying, when you buy a Samsung product, you know, we're going to be there to help you if you need it. Mm -hmm. um, this question had come up earlier as well because I think a lot of people are interested in the idea of kind of using apps for whether it's customer care or just sort of customer onboarding. One concern is often just getting customer adoption of the app, getting them to just download in the first place. Um, how did you do that? Well, because uh, <laughs> that's always hard. Right? No, I mean, well, there, we did we did it through a number of uh, strategies, but the most obvious one is we preloaded on almost all the carriers. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> then they have to have. So, so we have obviously very. Can you delete it? Oh uh, yeah. Is it? It's okay. So yeah, it's not absolutely. like that stocks app on the. It's iPhone. not. Yeah. No. You can't, I can't get rid of that thing. Android, <laughs> has, Android has a bit of a different philosophy, <laughs> but but um, but so most of them we have really important relationships with all of our, our carrier partners. Um, all but one major carrier uh, preloads it. Okay. 
But we're also going to start talking more about it, you know, NPR, in, in marketing. You know, care is becoming part of the brand value proposition for Samsung, not just a sort of sideshow. And so, mm -hmm. so you'll hear more about these things. We also, um, if you have it on your phone and you don't know it, you're not using it, mm -hmm. we'll proactively tell you about it, you know, through push notifications. Oh, cool. We'll, we'll okay. do re you know, remote diagnostics and tell you, hey, you can improve your battery life by doing mm -hmm. X, Y, or Z, things like that. Cool. That gets them in engaged in the, in the app. And so, yeah, so, yeah eight, mo 8 million monthly active users, which is, um, which is pretty good and growing, but uh, we're super excited. Um, tell me a little bit about sort of the design of, you know, and I know the bot kind of is very much in its early stages yeah. right now because, like you said, the technology is not quite there to push it to do more. But, I mean, was there sort of thought given to, I don't know, tonality, design? Oh, yeah. kind of how does this thing sound? Oh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're thinking about that all the time. I think there's this big debate as to whether or not you want it to seem human. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so do, do you want to create an experience that is so human it's kind of creepy? Or, or do you want to make it clear up front that this is a this machine, is right? Mm -hmm. And so we, we've sort of, you know, kind of taken the latter approach, mm -hmm. you know, that this is, this is not a real person. A real person, by the way, is standing by, okay. is essentially watching every interaction and waiting to mm -hmm. help if, if you need help. But we've sort of taken, taken that approach. We've also recently redesigned our whole brand architecture. So uh, tone of voice and all of that is uh, something that's very connected to the overall brand of Samsung hmm. with the bot. And it's also carried through to our live agents and our brand ambassadors. So everybody's sort of talking in the same way mm -hmm. uh, and representing the brand in the same way, mm -hmm. whether it's a real person or a bot. So it, it's, and it's a work in progress. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're continually uh, iterating it. Our, dis our decision with this was to get it out and learn. Uh, but not try and solve problems. 98% of the interactions are, are data gathering and connecting mm. to a live agent. But the experience was the most important thing for us. If it doesn't work right, nobody will, they won't use it again, right? So right. we had to make sure that people were always going to get what they needed when they came. Well, at the end, you know, that's sort of one thing that we've been talking about and even just some of the working groups had been talking about is sort of, I think a lot of people want to do kind of what you're doing, which is, take that sort of first step with AI, whatever that looks like, and maybe it's not kind of running the whole way yet because the tech's not there, or right. even just the resources aren't there, but being able to prove kind of bits of it, and especially then prove it to C-suite, prove it to other parts of the yeah. company, so that then you're getting some of that investment early on. Um, what was that experience like, kind of internally, you know, working with, of course everyone knows they should be doing cool things with AI, right. but there's no doubt that it's expensive, and there's always going to be something else right. that you could do. I think Samsung spends more money on R&D than any company on the planet. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, there are, we have the opposite problem. We have too many chatbots and too many AI projects. It's like everybody in the company seems it's to be working, working on, on one. And I keep telling them, really, the power of the bot is that you have one. You know, that can do everything, right? A human can't do that. That's sort of why you design it. And so, so no, we have tremendous uh, internal uh, support. There wasn't really a question of should we, if, you know, if you, if you think about Samsung, Almost all of our products are connected. We, we've made a huge early investment in IoT. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, at CES this, this year, we introduced something called multi-device experience. The idea of you know, neural networks and machine learning and AI you know, is a no-brainer. You know, we didn't have to sell yeah. it. It was already there. And so it was really, it really right now, for us, it's about unifying all these disparate you know, sort of strategies. Some of which are coming from marketing, some of which are coming from operations. Well, that's going to be my question. Where does it live to? Because I think one thing, because um, yeah. Yeah, everyone, like everyone's touching it because it's not yeah. necessarily a marketing project. No. There's obviously an IT element to it. There's an op operations element to it. So yeah. you've got multiple parts of the company, and sort of that it's an interesting challenge, I think, for any company, especially the size of Samsung. Huge. I mean, I, and I, I think I, I appreciate the fact that many of you are probably 
challenge with getting these projects approved. But that, in some ways, is like the beginning of the challenge because once you get it approved, so for example, in our case, right now you can go to Facebook Messenger and chat with Samsung. Mm -hmm. That is a marketing-driven uh, experience. Uh, yet, 90% of the interactions are support-related. At the same time, because mm -hmm. they're, they're, the purpose of this bot is to engage the consumer after they buy a product. Mm -hmm. um, if you go to our experience, it's a different bot. If you go to Samsung.com, it's a different bot. So I think creating a cohesive experience across all these things. In fact, what we're working on is sort of unifying that all into, whether you're in Facebook Messenger, or you're on SMS, or .com, or a native application, the bot will be the same. Same engine, same experience. So if you ask the bot what phone I should buy, you can also ask the same bot how to get help if you, if you drop it and break it. And so that's where we're heading, but that is a big challenge because at least at a company like Samsung that's very innovation focused, right now we have a lot of different folks trying to solve the same problem for different parts of the business. Tell me about a time you sort of worked, you know, with something, a project or something you were trying with AI that, you know, didn't work and that's okay. Yeah, so I mean, I think, I think the big one for us was trying to get it to provide human-related experiences and solve problems, you know, which is a big part of what, what I do. And, and, and again, um, you know, uh, I, I was actually at a conference recently, and I met the gentleman that uh, runs uh, service and operations for rider trucks. Mm -hmm. You know, definitely not an expert in AI. And uh, he asked me, he said, do you mean, you know, robots you know, can do everything, you know, now? And I said, no, that, that definitely is not. Maybe one day we'll have, you know, machines not doing ever. some of our jobs. But, um, but he, you know, he, that's sort of where, that goes back to the gap at this point, but that's kind of where he thinks this is or this is going. But for <laughs> us, I was so focused on the customer experience being great that uh, we basically scrapped this idea of problem solving. Because, mm -hmm. um, again, transactional, fine. But when it gets to a real human interaction, if you really think about it, somebody asks you, somebody says to you, my phone is broken. Did you drop it? Does it not have power? Is it not charging all day long? There could be a thousand different questions and there could be millions of different ways to ask those questions. Yeah. Um, and, and no matter what any of you have heard, I've met with every company that does this and we're just not quite there yet. You know, and it requires a tremendous amount of overhead, a tremendous amount of oversight to make the experience work well. So we're focused on using the technology for what it can do good, do well right now. I want to take a break here and tell you about another one of Digiday's podcasts called Starting Out. It's our latest show that profiles leaders in the marketing industry and looks at how they build cultures, teams, and successful companies. We've had people like Mark Pritchard of P&G, Wendy Clark of DDB North America, and Linda Boff of GE. To know more, visit digiday.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Anchor FM. Now, back to the session. Well, tell me a little bit about sort of data gathering, because I think that's one big part of what the technology is doing. Um, but you're also, the success of AI kind of depends on having decent data. Not, per not perfect, but at least better, sanitized, um, accurate, yeah. recent. Um, what is all sort of the different kind of data sources you're looking at when you're looking at what we could, or you could do with this? Yeah, I mean, data is a really complicated problem. I mean, not only does the data need to be good, I mean, it also needs to be protected and you have to think through all of those things. As you have more connected devices and more data being shared between those devices, devices meaning your house, you know, or your car, 
uh, or whatever, uh, it becomes much more important to think through that whole, that whole thing. So, but we're, we're looking at all kinds of data, whether it's um, how the customer uses the phone, their profile, their preferences, mm -hmm. um, their interactions with us, their history, are they a loyalist or not, all this information we use to, to personalize the experience. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's, it's, there's no data, frankly, that I know about that can't be used. I mean, I think mm -hmm. all the information about a user and about their products is helpful, at least in my world, of delivering a more personalized experience. Samsung makes thousands of products. So when I, when I need help, I don't want you to ask me what one of the thousands of products I need. I want you to know that I have these three products and, and be able to make it easier for me, lower effort to get help. What about linking that, those sort of known behaviors to then projecting out into unknown behaviors? If this person has this, this is what is likely going to happen in the next Totally, years. I mean, we see that in the shopping world, right? Mm -hmm. So we see you know, really sophisticated machine learning you know, in the advertising and, and shopping world in terms of recommendations. I see that applying really, really uh, well in the sort of post-sale experience side of the equation. The more, you know, for example, if we know a lot about you and about the way you use your product, and we know there are a thousand other people that do the same thing, mm -hmm. and we can actually study their behavior and deliver a more personal experience to you, or even proactive, right, being able to reach out to you and say, based on our information, you know, your freezer temperature is going up one degree every two days, mm -hmm. we might need to have somebody out there to check it. Like, having all that knowledge to deliver that more proactive experience to the customer, yeah. I think is awesome. Um, kind of stepping away for, from Samsung for a second, I think it's been interesting to see just, you know, privacy talk, data talk kind of come back into the conversation. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, it's, it's like old Digiday events when we used to do the privacy session, that's when people would leave, you know, for the bathroom <laughs> break, like nobody cared. Um, and now, you know, it definitely feels like that's, you know, we're, we've reached definitely a point. Now, I don't know if this is a turning point, yeah. um, but with what's happening with Facebook, what's happening in general across kind of how platforms are collecting data, suddenly consumers care more, at least it feels that way. And even if you are a company which is doing, you know, doing it all sort of above board, there's no issues, you're always being very upfront and honest with what's being collected and what it's being used yeah. for, it's still in the water. I mean, yeah. how much sort of, how much of this is, do you think, kind of a turning point when it comes to, is this really, is this a time privacy becomes hot again or people start caring again? Yeah, you know, I don't know, you know, my mom, you know, writes all her passwords down on a piece of paper, you know, and I'm like, mom, you shouldn't do that. But, so I mean, I think most consumers still don't understand it, right? They're, they're buying into the connectivity. You know, okay. they're buying into being able to know when their washing machine has completed a load or they're bought into being able to, you know, sort of walk their music from their house to their car to their office. And, uh, and so they're bought into the experience of a connected world, but I don't think anyone fully understands the potential risks associated with it. And so, I mean, it's up to a, a lot of people like us and, and other, you know, big brand companies to start talking about it. We talked about it at CES. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you've, we probably, you've seen the videos of, you know, uh, back to Tesla, you know, people hacking Tesla cars and, you know, doors flying open while people are driving and things like that. So, so there's huge risk. If you, if you just think about the fact that people can hack your computer, and if you just think about that being true of your home or your car or something else, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's tremendous risk to that. So I don't, I'm, I'm a little worried that the average consumer, the vast majority of, of consumers don't understand this at all, at least in the U.S. Well, it's almost like they're, they know potentially, and I'm speculating here, it's like they just know enough to be dangerous. They know something is up. They know that Facebook is doing something right. or that there's a congressional hearing or something. Right, right. But then I think that, I wonder if that also makes it just doubly difficult then because if well, yeah. you've got somebody just who doesn't know enough but knows just enough to 
to actually care. Well, if you watched, I won't go into politics, but if you watched the congressional hearing, I'm not sure how many people in Congress even know what Facebook is, you know, or how, how you know yeah. what I mean? So. Was it, it felt like what I was trying to tell my mom, you know, <laughs> right. like how I explained, like, right. this is how you like attach you, a you picture. You wanted somebody in there who understood <laughs> it, but, but no, I, I think, uh, I think it's, it's up to us to figure out how to build products and experiences that are secure, and it can't be mm-hmm. a hidden feature buried in a settings menu, right. it's got to be like it was for Facebook for so long. It's got to be something that we talk about every day. And, and I, personally, in the service world, I think it's a huge part of our value proposition mm-hmm. is to make sure customers know that we stand behind these products and we're going to protect them. That, that is a huge opportunity and challenge for us moving forward. Um, you sort of mentioned, you know, that kind of, again, tech is not quite there, but you're sort of envisioning a future where AI does a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. How far away do you think that is? Everyone says five or ten years. Um, it's the safe I'll, answer. I'll tell Plus you. Plus, it's a big range. You, you know? know, I hope it's five. You know, um, I'll t- I, th- I think I shared this with you when we talked on the phone, but I, uh, we have a house not far from here in Paso Robles, and uh, I hooked up, uh, you know, Alexa and uh, all of our you know, thermostats and lights and TVs and got it all working perfectly and, and called my 14-year-old daughter in to, uh, to demonstrate to her that I could literally just speak and the TV would turn onto the channel I wanted. You know, so, and sure enough, it did. I said, watch CNN, and it did exactly what I wanted. And I, I said, Kate, is that not amazing? You know? And she's like, I'm not impressed. You know? and, uh, well, Kate, I said, Kate is a tough customer. I said, <laughs> I said, why are you not impressed? And she is. I said, why are you not impressed? She said, well, the, the thing you have to talk to is behind you. So you have to turn behind you to talk to it. And you have to talk directly to it. And it doesn't always understand you. And so I, I, I thought, she's right. You know, the, the experience of Star Trek, which we think is science fiction, mm-hmm. you know, she's now expecting to be the norm, you know, and she's grown up in, a, in the mm-hmm. digital age, right? She's, you know, never, used, never watched a TV without a DVR. Mm-hmm. We were in a hotel once, and she's like, Dad, pause the TV. I'm like, we can't pause the TV. We're in a hotel. <laughs> she didn't even know. So I, I feel, <laughs> so she, her expectations, <laughs> her expectations and millennials' expectations are extremely high. Right. And the technology is not there. I, I think in the next... I'll speak for Samsung. In the next year, you know, we will bring you know, AI, at least from a service standpoint, to a core part of what we do. You mm-hmm. know, and it will become a very innovation and digital, sort of digital first, AI first approach will be a big part of the, the care journey for Samsung. Awesome. We have a few minutes for questions. If anyone has any for Michael. Hi. Um, you mentioned a little bit about how um, you guys are tying your um, your pre-acquisition experience for the customers to your post-acquisition experience. So I'm interested in how you're doing that. Um, From an infrastructure perspective, is it that you have data that's centralized, easily accessible from all your different product teams, and it all just feed into this one single data system, or how are you making that happen? That sounds (laughs) fantastic. That may be further out than AI becoming uh, more of a reality, but um, no, so... So we actually are doing what you described. So again, we have a lot of disparate uh, databases historically at Samsung, managing the customer's information, managing the experience and all the different data sources we want to use to help drive these experiences. We have uh, hired a, a guy named Cal Raman. He's uh, uh, sort of plays a, he's a, runs e-commerce, but a, sort of a pseudo CIO role. He used to be the CEO of Groupon, worked at Amazon, so he has a real sort of digital background. And uh, we've built a centralized database 
that is being fed and subscribed to by every organization in the company. So everything that we do as a service organization, everything that marketing does, everything that all the operations team do, everything that our customers are doing that they've allowed us to, to know about, all that information is now linked together, which then is used to subscribe to by different groups and deliver really personalized experiences. But again, it, it was uh, just to give you a little more color on that, we began it with a, a very little amount of data, basically the direct-to-consumer part of our business only. But over the last two years, we've uh, sort of built a little bit of governance and driven all of the organizations to provide all of their inputs into it, and then they then get access to subscribe to it and use it. So it's a work in progress, but so far it's been really successful. Good morning. Good morning. So between appliances, TV, mobile, uh, there's a lot of devices that require some sort of sign-in. Uh, I think, to the most, uh, to the to the better part of the, my knowledge, I know that, yep. that you, you require sign-in. Um, Samsung's kind of plan to uh, identify all of those things as belonging to a household, I think, is probably as far down as you can get since people share TVs and share tablets. Um, how, how do you see identity and AI helping you to figure out how to differentiate between your daughter and yourself? Yeah, it's a great question. Really quick on connected devices. I read a stat the other day, just uh, I thought it was interesting. There are more connected devices than human beings, which is really interesting. And, and so, um, so yeah, so we have, a, we have our own identity system, Samsung account. Um, you, you authenticate uh, you know, through a mobile app. Um, we acquired a company called SmartThings. SmartThings is becoming our primary uh, connected home and authentication method. So you don't authenticate on your TV anymore. You authenticate your TV through your, your mobile, mobile app. Re recently, just a quick story, I installed a new TV in my house and suddenly my phone started vibrating. I had not connected my TV to the network or anything. And so I was kind of freaked out what's happening. And uh, we're now using um, low energy Bluetooth uh, and Wi-Fi Direct, one or, or, or the other, to actually communicate with mobile devices that are nearby. And you actually, I clicked one button and it authenticated the TV, brought the serial number into my profile, set it up on my network and, and did all that. So authentication is really important for AI because um, it tells us um, what the customer has, where they have it, um, and the household concept is something we're working on, but we're not there yet. But, you know, when Disney sends me a, a, an email or, or something in the mail, it knows that it's the Lauder family, it knows who's in the Lauder family, and it knows their ages and, and et cetera. And so, so we, in some ways, to do AI correctly and to deliver that really personalized experience in a household, we have to do the same thing. We have to know who's in the house, and we have to understand their different preferences and experiences. So, so that's something we are not, we're not there yet. Um, and it's a huge challenge for us. How many people here have ever registered a TV or a refrigerator? Probably none of you, you know? So actually making it simple enough that people do it is critical. Just, just a quick follow-up then. So like the watches and the cell phones act as kind of a proximity yeah. detector to who's watching the TV or who's opening the fridge. All of that's possible. Kind possible. of goes back to data a little yeah. bit, you know, and, and being willing to share that. But. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, just like my example that I gave you, I think we can, we, as long as we know who's using it. We, we, today, unfortunately, um, a lot of us have one uh, ID for the whole family. 
so the whole family is using my login to watch Netflix. That's not super helpful, you know, when SpongeBob SquarePants pops up on my recommendations list or whatever, right? So, so we've got to make it easy for customers to provide that information and then use it to tailor the experience. And for us, you, you're right. You know, we a lot of the home is Samsung, you know, the TVs and washing machines, et cetera, and, and mobile devices and wearables. So we have to figure out how to understand who's using these products to do the right thing for them. Awesome. Great. Michael Lauder, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks, you guys. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, and I hope you did, then please help us share it forward. How you can do that is by reading us and leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. It helps our podcast to be discovered. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you soon with another session.